Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. We have about 3,000 employees now. But my brother always teases me that he's like, I didn't really like think you knew how to start a product line. You know, and I didn't, but I knew what I liked and what I didn't like. And having been in hair for so long, I feel like I tried everything out there. And, you know, we were coming at the product line with this very specific niche of like, I just want products that really support great blowouts, making blowouts last. They can't weigh your hair down. I mean, there was a lot of things that I wanted that I didn't think really existed. So we built it. And so here we had this dilemma, this this fact, this fact. This I've fact. been almost a decade, decade researching decade. this subject. Every aspect of your metabolic health improves. From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. You may have tried Hint Water before, but this is my podcast. Each week, we talk to some of the most creative entrepreneurs from world-touring pop stars like Jay Sean to the people behind favorite Instagram accounts, including So Yummy, New York City, and even YouTubers like Sarah Dietschy. So the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Welcome back, Unstoppable listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Today, I'm talking with Allie Webb, the blowout queen and founder of Drybar. I'm so excited to have her here with me today. Today, we're talking about what it's like working with her husband and brother, how she keeps her business consistent when she has 3,000 stylists in more than 100 stores all over the country, and how she raised $70 million to further scale her business. 
We also touch on the importance of branding to get people in the door of a brick and mortar business. And when she fills us in on the new podcast, Raise the Bar, you'll all be super excited to hear. She hosts this, of course, with her brother as well. Before we get started, it's review time. I loved being able to share these awesome reviews we're getting on iTunes. This one is from Mobile Coach. It says, big fan of Hintwater and the team Kara's built. Heard she was working on a podcast and after the first episode, I was hooked. Would definitely recommend to anyone looking for the new podcast to binge on. Love it, guys. If you haven't yet, it would be awesome if you could support the show by leaving a review on iTunes. And hopefully we'll read it on the next episode. You're going to love this episode. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Allie Webb, super, super excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we are actually in West Hollywood right now where I'm interviewing Allie Webb. And uh, we're actually in... Charlie Chaplin's old house. I heard it. That's so, so cool. I know, right? I so like, wow. I like. Um, I always go on um, my little travel hack. I go on TripAdvisor all the time, and somehow I was looking for a place that was not so hotelly, but yeah. more because we live up in San Francisco. That was uh, had a living room, and then I typed in like West Hollywood living room. And then this place came no up way. and I had like, all, I know all these great reviews and it has like a bedroom upstairs and here it's two it's bedrooms. So it's like, cool. I know. Right. And I said like, it's got good energy and, and it's, uh, yeah, we've been taking pictures all around it. Cause it's just like, got what that. a great vibe. I know. Yeah, right. It's very super, cool. Super, super great. So anyway, good place to be doing this interview yes, from as for well. Sure. So as you know, now in the preview of this conversation. I'm a huge fan. I am uh, constantly going to dry bar to actually put my locks in into some well, sort you of have gorgeous hair. Thank you. And so I've been a huge fan of yours. And I want to hear how did you come up with how this the whole idea? thing? Start? And well, I mean, really, it probably dates back to when I was just a little kid. I mean, I grew up in South Florida. And it was like the land of humid hair. I mean, as you know, if you've ever spent time there. And my hair was just naturally really curly and frizzy and out of control as a kid. And I just didn't like it. And I struggled with it. And I used to try to figure out how to blow it out myself. I used to beg my mom to blow it out. And um, I don't think I, – I, I know I couldn't articulate back then like why I cared. I think I just didn't feel – I felt just kind of like not put together. And um, it, it was just always this thing that bothered me about my appearance. And – um, as I got older, you know, I, I kept trying to figure out how to do it. And I remember like looking at pictures of like, you know, Cindy Crawford and Christy Brinkley, like the big supermodels of our, our generation. Yeah. And their hair was always so like bouncy and beautiful and smooth. And I was like, how in the world do they get their hair like that? I was so, just so interested in it. And, you know, fast forward to like after high school, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was just very lost and all my friends like knew what they wanted their majors to be in college. And I was like, I don't really know what I wanted to want to do. And I thought I wanted to do something in beauty or fashion. And so I moved to New York city, worked in, in all sorts of, I did all sorts of stuff when I was trying to figure it all out. And it wasn't until I was like in my early twenties that I finally decided to go to beauty school, which I felt like was like after 
trying a bunch of other things was like the best thing. You did PR first, right? I yeah. actually did PR after. So I, I, I was my brother and I. My brother Michael is my business partner, mm-hmm. who you know, and he he was always like the overachiever in the family as well. And nobody was ever worried about Michael. He was always going to land on his feet. Me, like, was a little bit of a different story. How ironic now, but back then it was like I just was so lost and. I had, when I was living in New York the first time, Michael was also living in New York. He was working for Nicole Miller and who was, you know, mm-hmm. a big designer yeah. at the time. And I started working at, for Nicole Miller also, but in the Soho store, just kind of selling clothes. And- How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined too. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including 
the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell, or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. And I was kind of happy doing that. And then my brother decided like we should move back to South Florida and open Nicole Miller Boutique. So we opened two Nicole Miller Boutiques in Meisner Park in Boca Raton and then in, in Miami. And I, you know, here I was like 19 years old running these two retail operations. And I was like, um, this is not it. This is not it. This is not what I want to do. And I remember like having to like basically break that partnership with my brother. And we had always been super, super close. And I was like, you know, really scared to tell him that I didn't think I wanted to do this, but I was like, I, I, kind of got the courage to tell him I didn't want to do this and that I wanted to go to beauty school. I wanted to finally pursue this passion of mine, which was hair. Yeah. And that I don't, you know, that I didn't know what I was totally going to do with it, but I thought maybe I'd move to New York and do fashion shows and editorial and stuff like that. And my brother was actually very, probably the most supportive of anybody when I, of me wanting to go to beauty school. He's like, I think that'd be such a great thing for you. And, and I had to get out of that relationship that we had in Nicole Miller because we were killing each other and it was not ideal. My my and my parents couldn't believe we went to work together later. I was going to ask, but that. I'll yeah. get to that. But anyway, so I went to beauty school. It was like the best thing I ever did. I like felt like I found my people. I was so happy. I worked in South Florida for a while. Then I moved to New York City and did hair for a while. That was the second time I lived in New York. And then that time I was doing hair for a while, but then decided as like a true like 20 something year old, like I think I want to change careers again. So I then I started working in PR for a little while in New York City at Rogers and Cowan. It was like, you know, where it's like, I was like celebrity mecca. I mean, it was like, I was working in the music department and just getting to go to so many cool things. And it was like a fun, you know, little stint. And that's when I met my husband and we got married. We lived in New York City for a while, but then moved to San Francisco for a year um, and then moved to LA and I had my first son. And so you know, within five years, I'd had two boys and we, I was a stay at home mom and like happy as a clam. I was like, this is this is like the perfect life. I was so happy. My husband was working in advertising and I was, you know, with my kids and I was like, 
this is it. This is the greatest life ever. And then after like, <laughs> after about five years of that, I was like, oh my God, like I'm starting to feel like my like brain cells are drying up. Like I needed to do something else and something for myself. I had spent five years like in total mommy mode. And that's when I was like, I got to figure out something to do that I can kind of do on my own terms. Like I don't want to go back to like a hair salon. I don't want to go back to a full-time job. What, what do I want to do? And that's when I started a mobile blow dry business, which because I had, you know, now spent almost, you know, 10, 15 years figuring out how to blow up my own yeah. hair, how to blow up my friend's hair. And a lot of my girlfriends at the time would ask me to like blow out their hair because they knew that's like what my background was. And that was kind of what started the idea of starting the mobile business. Like my best friend and I were literally like sitting on our in our living room with our babies crawling around us. And I was like, I can't. Wait, this was in San Francisco? No, this is in LA. This was San okay. Francisco was like a year, a, a very short yeah. year. So we were, no, I was living, living in LA with my two babies and, you know, very immersed in like the LA mommy baby community. And my best friend and I were sitting on, you know, around one day, and I was like, I feel like maybe I should start a mobile blow dry business because I can go to women's house where their babies are sleeping and they're kind of stuck at home, like I Brilliant. felt like a lot. And I'll only charge, I mean, I think we were like, I think $40 was what we were going to charge. And it felt like that was easy. 220 is like not very, yeah. like not a big business plan here. <laughs> But I was like, I think it'd be a good way to get out of the house for a couple hours. I don't think I actually made any money charging only $40 and driving around. Did you have like a yellow car or anything? No, no. No, Yellow was was not invented (laughs) in my world yet. It was like, I think I had a Nissan Xterra. I I did have a Nissan Xterra. (laughs) And I had like a duffel bag full of like all the products I'd, you know, accumulated over the years. And, but my husband, Cameron, who does all the creative for Drybar, he, he made me a one-page little website. Uh, I thought of the name Straight at Home, which I was very proud of because usually it's my husband that thinks of all the cute names. It was called Straight at Home, and he made me this one-page little website. And it was really like one of my first marketing lessons because he said, if, if your website's really cute, people will call you. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. I put um, I put my little business card all over town, really. And then I also put it on like one of the mommy groups back. This is back when like Yahoo groups was a thing. I don't know if you remember that, no, but no. there was something called Peachhead. And it was like where all the moms in LA went to, like it was a mom, mommy resource. He's like, what's the best diaper cream? Do you have a babysitter? Like where, do, you know, where, where's the best place to go with your kids? Like everything you would ever want to know. So I was a member of this group and I posted saying, hey, I'm like a stay-at-home mom, longtime hairdresser. I'm thinking about starting a mobile business. Would anybody be into this? I'm charging like 35 or 40 bucks. I got flooded with emails and like that was it. And I started this business and I was running around town probably for the next like year doing just blowouts. And I loved it because it got me out of the house, got me away from the kids for a little while and just kind of gave me my own like income. And it was just like very empowering to do something for myself by myself. And I, in the meantime, I met amazing women. I was, I had only been in LA for a couple of years. So I was meeting a lot of great people. It was perfect. I was so happy and thought like, you know, this is a great like thing to do for now. But during that time, I realized that there was this really big hole in the market. It was like, I would say to my clients, if I can't come to your house and do your hair, what do you do? And the answer was always, I either like begrudgingly go to like the discount chain down the street where like, you don't know what you're going to get. It's variable pricing. You're sitting next to a kid getting their haircut, bad lighting. It's like, blah, not great. And then the other alternative was like, you know, your full service hair salon where the hairdresser is, you know, would rather be doing cut and color where they can make real money. They don't want to do a blowout. And so there was this big gap and I was like, huh, you know, maybe my mobile business could 
become an actual place. And so that's when I went to my brother who's, I don't know if you've met him in person, but he's bald and as well as my husband. And they were like, so you want to basically turn your mobile business into a brick and mortar. And of course my brother's right for first question was like, or understandably first question was, you know, how do you make this business work if we're only charging, we opened, we were $35, blowout. That's like, we're going to have to do a lot of And then you're driving around LA. Right. At that point, so. I was just, yeah. So I was like, you know, I don't know. I, I really felt like if I was like, in my mind, if we can do enough blowouts, it will work. But that was the big question mark. Right. And so my brother was like, don't you want to do cuts in color like a normal salon? So that, that's where like the money come in. I was like, you know, I really don't. I want to try this as just blowouts. So, so there's no yeah. pressure to get your hair cut in color because you know when you go and sit in a salon and they're yeah. like, yeah, you should. Have you ever thought about this? Or, or you may very well need a haircut. But at Dry Bar, it's like we just wanted it to be like this like escape you know, I think I'd actually seen somewhere, I think it was actually in San Francisco, there was like a nail salon. I don't remember where or when, but it was like they were playing Sex in the City when I was getting a manicure once. And I was like, this is a nice like little treat. So I was like, I want to play movies in the shop. I wanted to feel like a real bar yeah. and I wanted to be, you know, a, an affordable luxury, really. And I really thought it was going to be for girls with curly hair like me. And my brother thought women would do it more for like special occasion. I was like, I think women like me will come in, get their hair blown out once a week and then not have to worry about it because that's how it's yeah. always been for me. So anyway, you know, that was really the start of it. And so you he know, didn't think it was going to work. He was like a little skeptical. Everybody was a little skeptical. I was a little, I was nervous because I knew at that time I ran the numbers. I mean, there was no, again, no fancy business plan. Yeah. I mean, thank God for my brother. He started like putting spreadsheets together to see if we actually would make money when everything was said and done, which is why, you know, you need that, that business person. I hate spreadsheets and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it was like if we did, I think we came up with like 30 to 40 blowouts a day at $35, like, you know, that would be like a nice little profit. We weren't going to like change the world, but we would, it would be like a viable business. And how many people were working? Like what was the, the well, plan? So, I mean, at, we, we were eight, that first chair, first shop in Brentwood was eight chairs, which I didn't even have it fully staffed on the first day we opened, even though I should have, because it was so bananas and we were so busy. But, you know, the, the bigger question was, you know, how does, how many people do we have to do a day to make this business work? Which I, like I said, I thought it was 30 to 40, which now it's like, we're doing a hundred plus, you know, give or take in every store. And obviously if you do the math on a hundred locations, yeah. it's crazy. It's yeah. a lot of blowouts. <laughs> but at the time we were like, does this even work? You know? And then, and then what was funny is once it did work, so you know, beautifully in Brentwood. And it was like women were coming in from Beverly Hills and they're like, we want our own shop. And women from Studio City were like, we want our own shop. And it was like, everybody like wanted their own shop in their little neighborhood. And so we were like, shit, we are onto something, you know? And so that's when Michael, who who was at the time operating a little, well, not little, but a real estate marketing company in LA with his best friend, Elliot. And Cameron had a full-time, he was a creative director in an advertising agency. And I was just kind of figuring this out. My brother's wife, Sarah, was also helping me at the stores and we were just there all the time and just like so crazy. I mean, I didn't leave Brentwood. I was there every single day for the first six months, seven days a week. Cause I just was like, I can't, it was so thrilling. I mean, it was so yeah. crazy how busy we were all the time. And we used to have, 
in the very first store walk-ins welcome uh, like outside a sign that said that and then we were like well shit we have to take that down because everybody was booking online and everybody was you know booking for when they wanted to come not just popping in which is kind of what we thought the behavior might be and and it's a little bit like that but you as you know it's really hard to like pop in unless it's like a monday or tuesday so although i will say that i tend to like be on a flight from San Francisco to New York and then recognize like, oh my gosh, I probably want to get my hair blown dyed tomorrow morning. And you you can usually get in. Yeah. And, yeah, the, and like you point. can go on the app and, yeah. you know, and also, I mean, especially New York, San Francisco, LA, like our Boston, Chicago, like Dallas, there's a lot of major cities that we're in that we have a lot of locations now and we want people to be able to get in. You know, it's like for so long we had the problem of like people couldn't get in because we weren't opening stores fast enough. I mean, it's been this like up and yeah. down ever since we opened. But yeah, so, you know, we realized that we were onto something and- And how fast did you do your second store then? It it was only six months, but it felt like a lifetime. I mean, when I I talk about that now, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that long. It was only six months, which is fairly quickly. But at the time I was like, I remember like yelling at my brother, like you have to get us another location. It's so crazy in here. And we couldn't meet all the demand. It was like we were like the hot club that you couldn't get into, but yeah. like that doesn't last very long. Yeah. So it was only six months. It just felt like two years until we got the second location up, and that was Studio City. And then I think we opened West Hollywood. Our second not California location was Dallas, which is like, of course. Yeah. And, you know, and then it all kind of went from there. It went from there. That's yeah. okay. And how many years ago was this? Now? This was 2010. So about eight years, a little over That's eight amazing. years ago. Yeah. That is so crazy. So, well, I have so many questions <laughs> based on what you just talked about. But I mean, first of all, obviously, like working with your brother, but also like, I hear a lot in your, you know, description of sort of how you decided to launch this of, you know, scrappiness, right? Yes, like you so were like, you know, trying to figure out what was ultimately going to make you get out of bed every day, right? And you weren't going to take, you know, that same path of, you know, going off to go to school and, you know, staying in Florida, like probably a lot of Well, no, I mean, I I talk about it all the time that I don't have, you know, a big fancy degree. I mean, I don't have a degree at all. You know, I, I always remember my parents saying that, you know, we were, and I say this to my kids now too, it's like, they're very street smart, maybe Mm -hmm. not so much book smart. And that's kind of how I always felt about myself that I had really good instincts and confidence and, you know, street smarts really, but common sense, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, and, and, you know, all the more power to people who are very book smart. I mean, you need those, those people are just as important and it just wasn't, wasn't me, but I had, I did have that, that hustle and the scrappiness and, and just kind of the belief that I can, I mean, it sounds so hokey, but that like I can do anything I want to do. You know, yeah. I'm a big like I can I can do anything. I'm a big like dreamer, believer type person. And it's always kind of been my MO. It's like kind of a joke in our family. Like, you know, if anybody can get do it or or there's like this like where I have you know, good luck and good things just happen to me. And I don't think of it like that. No, but you I work hard, but obviously. I do, yeah. you know, I've kind of been like, I think it's like you know, it's just kind of this like blind faith that everything will work out is kind of, I've, I think has always been like the cornerstone for me, you know? And I think that is very much the case with Drybar. I think as an entrepreneur, as you know, it's like you have to just kind of have that, like, I'm going to jump full in and if it, and I pray it works and a lot of hard work. And if it doesn't, like, I always felt like, you know, if it didn't work and if Drybar didn't work, like, 
no one was going to die. Like the world wasn't going to end. We would have, you know, I could have, I would have figured something else out. And then I think you have to have that mentality to feel like not afraid to take that big leap. And I'm sure there were points where you were afraid. Of course. Right? Still. I mean, like, always. Yeah. yeah. And, and so even you though need you need that willing, fear to kind of keep totally. your blood boiling and to keep your like, you know, and, and I, I get it all the time. Every day there's something that get, puts like a fire in my belly about something yeah. that's happening with our business. Yeah. But I think it's also that, you know, it, it sounds like you weren't afraid. And this is always such a weird thing because, I, of course, you don't want to fail. Yeah. But you but you thought if you fail that you know there was some rough math in your head I I would yeah. guess like if you were opening your second studio yeah. Yeah. right that you thought like oh well I have a year lease and yeah I don't know maybe like I mean, it doesn't I, I work, just felt right? like yeah I felt like we we would just figure it out you know I mean I think that there's there you know where there's a well there's a way and you know I think that we we learned so much from that first store and there was the demand and how how women were responding to it that we felt you know kind of like there there's no way it's not going to work although i do have to say and brownwood was like a very like overnight success and when we opened studio city like we you know we and and i feel like every store we've opened we we still have to work really hard to get people there to get women there like you know when we go into a new market even today that where people aren't as well, we aren't as well known. Like we have to like, we do a lot of marketing. We do a lot of outreach. We do so much in preparation of opening a new store. And we always have, I mean, we did it with, you know, with Studio City, with Brentwood, all of those stores. It wasn't like people magically showed up. We yeah. do so much to get, you know, so many promotions. And I remember, I remember for a while we did a lot of stuff on, um, Groupon. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Did, we've done a lot of Groupons. You know, it's just like sometimes we end up in cities where even though there's there's a lot of demand, it's still new to a lot of women in that city and we still need to like educate people. And, and we've always had this like philosophy, like if we get them in the door once, like they'll be hooked. It's like a healthy addiction, which generally tends yeah. to be the case. Yeah. But sometimes I think women who haven't typically gotten blowouts their whole life are like, ah, I don't, I'm fine. My hair's fine. You know, they don't realize like how good it could be for such a, an affordable price. And sometimes they'll end up going in because they have a wedding or a bump or some f- special occasion. They'll go in and they'll be like, oh, they love the environment. Yeah. They love the way their hair looks. They have this amazing confidence. And they're like, okay, maybe I'll do this more. And then we've been able to transform all those women who were like never had a blow up before in their life. So I always tell my friends, they're like, Oh, really? Like you get a blow dry there and isn't that hard because you're working? And I was like, I do my email there. Yeah. I mean, it's actually my hour away. So funny that you say that because we actually did a campaign about a a little over a year ago that's like, why do you dry bar? And Mm -hmm. it's funny because I can now do my hair pretty well on my own, but like I'm telling you, I just came from getting a blowout and it's the same thing. I'm like that like 40 minutes it takes me to like do my own hair. I'm sitting in a chair catching up on email. I mean, so many women are sitting in dry bar with their laptops. Obviously, we have Wi-Fi totally. in every store. Yeah. And, you know, you're able to do so much more. You're efficient. You're so much more efficient because you're sitting there. Someone else is doing your hair. I mean, we all know as women, it's like it's hard to do our own hair. And then when you, you know, you turn around for the big reveal and you have this amazing hair, you're like, okay, I can do anything now. There, You know, that's that's really what I think we've built the business on is this like we're, we're not just selling blowouts. We're selling happiness and confidence. And that's what you see. And I, I'm sure you've witnessed it being in our shops that you see this like this 
real transformation that happens with women and how they're like looking at every mirror and they're like, they have this like glow and happiness about and confidence about them that makes them, you know, feel like, yeah, I'm going to definitely come back next week for this too. You know? Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. And I think you're right. Like you get somebody, I mean, it's a great example of a business. And I always talk about this, you know, with our product hint where like we've, up until now, I mean, we just started doing advertising over the last year, but yeah. we've built this just on having people try our product. Mm-hmm. And so and get we hooked. and get hooked so because good. once thanks. And so I once I've people, never tasted the cherry. Sorry. It's yeah, so it's, good. No, it's so I'm like, good. I don't remember cherry, but yeah. I love it. Okay, sorry. It's fairly I mean, it's new in the last like 18 months. Yeah. So it's yeah. um yeah, it's it's a great so product. Delicious. It's really, really yummy. But anyway, yeah, I've said like, I mean if you've got a great product that you should start with that and yeah. that should be your marketing and, yeah. and then people like we've had companies reach out to us and say, you know, do you want to do couponing? And I'm like, but like, what's the tie in yeah. of actually trying our product? Right. Because right. it's like, then you give them a coupon and then they've got to think about it and make decisions about it. If we can actually get them to actually in their hand, in their hand and drinking yeah. it. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is the same for you. Yeah. It's like yeah. if you get somebody in the store and actually trying it, they'll figure it out. A hundred percent. When we bottle our products, we actually blow our own bottles. We make our own caps. We like huh. it's a hundred percent recyclable. So, Most caps today are not recyclable because they have. If you look on the inside, we don't have a liner. Yeah. Next time you look, like you can't see through the cap. Yeah. And those aren't recyclable. Mm. And so, actually. I always tell people that's the bigger issue with recycling. Like people always point to the plastic bottle, but this is like the biggest problem, the caps, because these are not recyclable and, you know, they'll get thrown into oceans and fish will choke and all that kind of stuff. Like that's the bigger issue, but ours are a hundred percent recyclable. So you can put these into recycling bins and they'll be recycled. Anyway, anyway, um, cool. Well, I love it out, and they'll see other women like on their laptop, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I should have just like yeah, we're on their phone." Like, yeah. But I was so excited when you agreed to be interviewed for this because I was telling somebody that I was going to interview you, and I said, "You know, the thing about Allie that I've really, really appreciated about this business is that you've put a stake in the ground around blood rise, and you." briefly talked about this about yeah. like what about the coloring and the yeah. haircuts and all the rest yeah. of these things and it's not to say that you don't have other revenue streams in mm-hmm. that business you've mm-hmm. got you know shampoos and right. which I bought all of these things <laughs> and uh but um but I think it's really it's like such a simple thing yeah which is it's funny because I say a lot that you know we certainly didn't invent blowouts they've no. been around forever we just created a much better experience and price point and yeah. environment around them. And that's kind of that that was the magic, right? I mean, that's what made it so great. And and yeah, I mean, we feel like we we took this thing that and isolated into, into you know, just this one service business, which has been really funny and interesting to see how that's mm-hmm. affected other businesses in that there's, you know, lash bars and there's things that are focusing places yeah, that are focused. focusing. But you know, I think it's smart. And I remember again, being such a, a beauty junkie. And like, I remember my mo- my mom going to the local salon in Boca and it was like, she got everything done. I mean, she got a manicure, pedicure, she got her color done. You know, sometimes she'd get a massage and a facial, like everything happened in that salon, which was kind of, which is cool. Like that was neat. But I was like, I think when I was maybe in beauty school and I had, I've been to like a zillion, you know, colorists and people cut hair. And I always felt like 
there was always like what, there was always one person who was like particularly good at cutting, and there was a person that was particularly good at color. I never found in my experience yeah. that somebody was great at both. It was like one or the other. And I always went to a separate, I never, almost never went to the same person for cotton color because I always felt like there was better when they were separate. And that was kind of also part of like my, you know, experience with, with dry bar was like, we could probably be good at several things we could, you know, and also I understand like as, you know, busy women, we want to be able to like get a manicure while we're getting a blowout and the efficiency of that Mm -hmm. is amazing. But I knew that like, I I didn't want to try to have like everybody doing everything and then, you know, kind of dilute the blowouts because that was the most important thing to me. And then, because I get asked all the time, like, why don't you do other things? You know, it's like, well, you know, I know it's hard enough work to you know, get our stylists to the level we need them to be at, train them, customer service. There's so much that goes into just the blowouts that like if I was trying to say, oh, and now we're going to introduce makeup from these same stylists, it's just like it would never work. And so that was always part of like the overarching philosophy of we're going to do one thing and we're going to be the best at it and we're not going to try to be everything to everybody, you know, which I think was a really kind of guiding light for us to, you know, to to, to stay focus and to stay successful. So, yeah. and it's something that I feel extremely strongly about. That's awesome. Well, I think it's, it's definitely worked. So you, uh, okay. So you're in LA yep. and you launch a couple of there. Yeah. Then when do you take this to the next so city outside of California? We, Dallas was our next city. Um, and it's funny because my brother and I had so many conversations about proving the concept because to me, I was like, what do you mean? It works. Everybody loves yeah. it. Like we've proved it. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, the women of LA, you know, have too much time, too much money, whatever. And I was like, I don't think so. And we opened in Dallas and I was like, see, it's really successful here. And then he was like, oh, the women of Dallas. I was like, Michael, I am telling you, I really just That's think so this funny. is like women with hair, wherever yeah. there's women who have hair, will care about this you know and you know it definitely it was i mean who's older which is older he's older yes he's older and and has way less hair um but (laughs) he he, um you know it wasn't until probably like two and a half years maybe three years in that he was like okay like i think this is gonna like work on a grander scale and i I mean i remember when we hit like 25 stores and we were like holy shit yeah like this is crazy and then it was like we hit 70 stores and I was like, man, you know, it's just, and and that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't, it can really go anywhere. You know yeah. I mean? We need, we need like a lot of um, density. Like we need to be in places where there's just like a lot of yeah. women because we need a certain amount of women to make, you know, business to make the, the shops work as I talked about before. But there's just so many cities and there's so many pockets, even in like smaller cities where there's just like a very, you know, there, there's that mix of like, you know, your stay at home mom, your working mom, like, you know, a college girl, like, you know, ladies who lunch, everything, you know, we like it all. So there's just so many places for us to go that women, you know, we get, we get emailed all the time. People reach out to me daily, like, Oh, can you open here? We open my city. And you know, it's just well, I've been to so almost strong. all of your cities. <laughs> and I think the thing is, is that it's it's really consistent. Well, that's so, like the best compliment. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. No, because it's... that is that is the holy grail to me. It's like even from the very get go before we had our own products and tools, I had all the style. I would only let, allow stylists. I supplied 
the, the tools and yeah. the products because I didn't want stylists bringing in like a red blow dryer and like their blue blow dryer and they're like, you know, all different colored brushes. And I was like, I don't want this to feel like a traditional salon where everyone like it's like just everything everywhere. And, and not to say there's anything wrong with that, but for the kind of the vision I had of it, it's like I wanted everything to look uniform. I wanted you to be able to sit in anyone's chair and have a great blowout, not exactly the same blowout, but a great blowout. So you know, to grow this and scale this, you know, and obviously we have so much training in place and we have a pretty robust training program and we have great ways of getting feedback from customers, making sure we're constantly doing it right. But that consistency across the board is is the hardest part, yeah. by the way. So when people tell me that, it's like truly the best compliment we can get because it's incredibly hard to, you know, to keep 3,000 stylists doing what you want them to do. And and I also don't want, we never want to take away their creativity anyways. Like we want them to, you know, understand our styles and there are certain like, you know, non-negotiables, but you know, a Cosmo that you get in New York might be different than a Cosmo you get in Chicago. Yeah. It's still lot, lots of loose ways, but there's like that stylist's own unique kind of twist on it. And, and we always want that to stay intact, but we want that consistency and that you, you know, no matter what dry bar in the country you're sitting in, you're getting a great experience from the customer service, the stylist, you know, the whole shebang. Well, in the book, I mean, like, so how quickly did you actually put the, like the brand guidelines in place? Like when you From were, the get-go. And, th- and that was really, that's where- you know, I talk so much about having good partners and good people around you. And, you know, we were very, I was very lucky in the sense that, you know, my, my brother was really the business side of things and he was dealing with like finding new leases and spreadsheets and all the shit I hate. And my husband was a creative director. So he had this, you know, he was, he's a creative genius. And so he was, you know, before we opened the months, you know, so many months leading up to opening, you know, Cameron and I would be like in bed on our laptops and he would be, you know, designing the site. And, and he had a very strong sense of what it should look like. And, you know, it was a lot of conversations between the three of us. And we, you know, we knew we wanted it to feel like bright and happy and pretty and, but not like overly, you know, feminine, even though it is very feminine. Like I didn't, we stayed away from like pink because even though I love pink, it was like, it feels like after a while you're in a pink space, it starts to feel a little like syrupy and whatever. Um, But, but yeah, from the very get go, you know, we were, Cameron really, you know, encapsulated the brand and what we wanted the brand to be. And I remember too, as he, you know, the website itself is dark gray and he was getting a lot of like feedback from people that like, oh, do you want this like really dark website? It's a, such a female focused brand. And Cameron was like, yes, and yeah. you can't tell me what to do kind of thing because he and advertising, he was like always having to do what the client wanted. And now he was the client and and we deferred to him and anything creative. We trusted him so much, even though we, we would have a lot of like heated conversations, but ultimately it was Cameron's decision. and And I think that's part of what makes the partnership between the three of us work so well is because we all very clearly stay in our lanes. Like Cameron is creative. Michael Michael and Cameron work together a lot on marketing. I'm hair and customer service. So we all have very specific, you know, things that we do that we've always really stuck to. And I think that's really in, informed the branding. I mean, I remember the first Valentine's Day we had in Dry Bar and I wanted to bring in pink flowers because it was Valentine's Day. And my husband's like, are you out of your mind? They have to be yellow. They have to be yellow. And so yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that makes more sense. So and so it was like every single thing, every touch point in the store is always branded. And I think that's part of what has, you know, women have fallen in love with. And the fact I've always felt too, like 
the branding is kind of what gets people a little bit in the door. And then we have to like prove that we can do great hair and the customer service is great and all of those things. It's like, you know, as you know, starting a business is a million things that you have to do right. Yeah. So you never hired like a head of marketing. I mean, it was really between. I mean, we have now, but yeah. we didn't in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, now we have all sorts of heads of everything. I mean, yeah. we're eight years in and it's so different yeah. than it was. But I would say for the first like, gosh, 10, 11 stores. So the first like two years, you know, we were very much bootstrapping it. And we made every, the three of us really made every decision together. And my brother Decide. I remember my brother coming to me and saying, I think that if we're going to really grow this, we need to raise like serious money, which I was not excited about yeah. because that would mean losing yeah. equity, which a lot of conversations about owning yeah. a small piece of yeah. pie versus the other, the lot, you know, owning a. Had he done that before? Not really, but you know, he had a lot of like, you know, really successful friends and he was starting to talk to a lot of investment bankers and he was like, listen, if we want to really grow this thing, it, you know, it's better to own because I was like, you know, I was like, I don't want to, I mean, I remember those first conversations about having to give up equity to raise money and I was like, wait, what? Like we're going to give up how much? You know, even though it was insignificant at the time, I was like, this is crazy. I don't want to do that. And he's like, well, then we're not going to get you know, and that's fine. And that's fine for businesses that don't want that, but we're not going to get to this level unless we raise a lot of money and we do it relatively quickly. And so, he, you know, that's when we started having those conversations. And he also said, I feel like we need people to come in and help us scale this business because it's just not our forte. It's not what we're good at. You know, we need people who can come in and have experience with running and growing a company that again, at that point we were only like 10 stores. So we were like, I don't know, a couple hundred employees but that was daunting to us. And we were like, we don't really know how to do this, yeah. you know? So we need some help. And we brought in, you know, this at the time, this is great woman who had run Pinkberry and really knew how to like, you know, run and do scale stores, an organization, yeah. which we just didn't know how to do. And that not didn't really want to. It was like, that was certainly not my highest and best use, you know? So I had a very specific and do have a very specific point of view of how the store should look, how they should run, how the music should be, how the, you know, the customers should be talked to you and all of that. But it's, you have to put systems in place to, to actually make all that work. And, and that was something that I never thought of that when my brother said, Hey, I think we need this, this person. And I was like, huh. And then it was like, we're going to pay this person. What? Yeah. You know? I mean, we were like barely taking any money for so long that we were like, it was all like such a crazy learning experience. Was this before you took money in? It was before we took, you know, like institutional money. We had raised the first couple of rounds were friends and family. So it was like, you know, angel investors and really clients who loved the concept and felt like this is going to be like the next big thing and wanted in. I mean, and and my brother was like, listen, it's not typical that people are basically like willing to kind of like give us money, which of course I didn't know. I had never raised this kind of money before, but but we really did have people coming out of the woodwork who wanted to invest. And, you know, so now we have a handful of investors. And then it was and then it was probably around three years that we started talking to like investment bankers and private equity and all of that. And then we raised like a big chunk of money to to not only open more stores, but to start the product line and to, you know, do, do all of that. And that was like, you know, four ish years ago now. Wow. That's that's and amazing. I think we've raised like over seventy million, something wow. like that. That's yeah. a lot. But, the, you know, the stores are expensive to build. The product line is expensive mm-hmm. to build. And now the product line has become such a huge part of the business. We're, you know, in Sephora and Nordstrom and Ulta. We have about 3,000, give or take, points of distribution on just the product, not even including dry bar locations. So that's like a whole other business now, too. 
which who knew that was going to yeah, work? Who knew you know? that that was all going <laughs> to My brother always teases me. We have about 3,000 employees now. But my brother always teases me that he's like, I didn't really like think you knew what how to start a product line. You know, and I, I didn't, but I knew what I liked and what I didn't like. And having been in hair for so long, I feel like I tried everything out there. And there's, you know, we were coming at the product line with this very specific niche of like, I just want products that really support great blowouts, making blowouts last. They can't weigh your hair down. I mean, there was a lot of things that I wanted that I didn't think really existed. So we built it and people liked it. And I mean, nobody was more blown away by that than me. I mean, I was so scared when we launched that product. And I was like, is anyone going to buy it? Like, yeah. Is anyone going to care? But we did have that point of, you know, that, that trust that we had built with our clients, with our stores. So that the credibility was really there because of the dry bar locations and we had started to become the authority on blowouts. And so, you know, people would trust that our products, you know, backed that up. So that's, that's amazing. So it worked. What's the number one product that you guys have? Well, the number one product is probably detox, which is our dry shampoo mm-hmm. and people love it. I love it. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and then our buttercup blow dryer is probably our number one tool. It's like, it's such an amazing dryer because I wanted a dryer that was lightweight enough to get you know, for stylists to be holding it for eight hours at a time because that's, you know, no other dryer in the history of dryers has yeah. ever had to stay on as long as ours has. You know, I mean, it, it has to work all day long no matter who's holding it. So it needed to be strong and powerful but not dry women's hair out and our side not too heavy. So we had to make it. That's amazing. And have you guys gone international? With our products we have. We're in France. We're in Australia. Um, we're in Mexico. We're We're – slowly but surely making our way kind of international with product. We don't have any stores internationally yet, except for Vancouver, but we're still working on on that. That's kind of next. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I, I can totally see that yeah. happening. Oh my gosh. Well, I would love to move to Paris and open a store there. I mean, I was like only recently went to Paris for the first time. Oh, really? Like, yeah. I don't it's, know what I was doing, but yeah. about three years ago I went to Paris and I was like, Oh my God! I'm blown like, away! Holy crap! This yeah. is the most. I mean, I, what did you like about it? I love. I mean, I, mean, I love everything, that, but yeah. I just. I think that I. I had no sense of it really, and I had as a kid. I went to New York City with my parents a couple of times and fell in love with New York, mm-hmm. and it's been really cool to see when we take our kids to New York. They love it, and it's really like that old cliche of like living it through their eyes. But that's how I. They're just so entranced with everything because there's so much culture and diversity and fashion and style and all that, and they love it and. And I loved that too. But, and then that same kind of thing happened to me when I went to Paris. I was like, you know, the buildings and the architecture and, you know, the restaurants and the streets and the women and the fashion. And I was like, I felt like I was like going to explode, you know, yeah. like I was like, I love Paris. Oh too. my God. Yeah, and such I, a great place. it was just, it was so, it was so chic. I don't know. Like it's like the best word, you know, with people riding around bikes with like flowers on their bikes. Like that's like a real thing. And I remember seeing like that in pictures and, and as like a, like when I was in my 20s, I think I had a picture on my wall of like a bike leaning on like this beautiful building in Paris. And I I remember I remember had that picture for so long and I always thought it was so cool, but never like thought much about it. And li- going and spending time in Paris, I was like, it's 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 just like beauty, like wherever it's a you turn. Place. It's so magical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I mean like the food was amazing everywhere. Like the women like were dressed so wonderfully. I think there's like need for hair the hair seems like the last thing people think about there which i feel like i mm-hmm. so we could i think we could make like a nice little dent i could totally Paris. see you guys yeah, there. Right? yeah I, but it was very like 
whew, I was blown away. I mean, I, I, I kind of walked around like this, like the whole time, you know? That's So how do you make that leap to go into an international market? Well, the thing that we were learning with international is that, you know, every country has different laws and rules and all of mm. that stuff. And so we feel like we need like a, a partner to help us there and not to mention like yeah. time zone issues and, you know, somebody who we can really trust on the ground there to to do it right. And, you know, I think honestly, it's more of like bandwidth having not done it yet that we can't, we haven't, we need to like really focus on it. So like health hacks that you have. So you drink. I, I think that's like my biggest thing is that I drink I really even like when I'm I work out pretty religiously, but I definitely go through phases where I'm just like a little like don't feel like working yeah. out, which I'm a little bit in right now for some reason. I don't know why, but it's hot. You think it's hot? I don't know what. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm like off. But anyways, I'm pretty religious. If I can make myself drink three liters of water, which it is a job. I yeah. mean, I have to like I usually like while like while I'm getting ready in the morning, I will make myself like finish one before I leave the house, and then I'll keep one with me during the day, and then I'll yeah. I mean, I just make myself drink three liters of water. I think it's like great for your skin. And um, and I've been really big into like infrared saunas. Like I, I go oh. and I do that like like a couple times a week because I mean I couldn't rattle off exactly why it's good for you other than I know that it like it's a great detoxifier. You you sweat out so many toxins and all that. So I do that a lot. And you know I'm I'm like a I like take activated charcoal to like get bad stuff out of my system and. I don't know. I, I'm like one of those people like, that like tries everything. Yeah. That's like, let me just see what this is about. Yeah. But I, but I think the things that have stuck is mostly been like the, the drinking so much water, um, and you know, trying to eat healthy. Even though I grew up with like the worst eating habits you can imagine, so it's always been a struggle. To and eat. you have kids. And I have two little boys. So yeah. How old are your kids? They're 11 and 13. Do you have kids? Yeah. yeah. How old I are you? Um, so my youngest is 13. Um, so. I've, 13, 16, 17, oh. and 19. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it's wow. crazy. You have your yeah. hands full. I so. mean, my 13-year-old is, like, going on, like, 25. Yeah. You know, he's, like, very mature. And um, my 11-year-old is definitely, like, a younger – like, they're they're so funny. They're so – I mean, and, you know, it's summer now, so they're, like, waking up at, like, 12 o'clock, and it's a whole new world. What do they think of your business? Like – They – you know, they love it, and I think that they – it's interesting because they've grown up in it since they were really little and that's kind of how we were with my parents business too where we just grew up in it and it's like they 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 definitely get annoyed because all we do is talk about dry bar and on all that but they um and they and i think they like don't love how much we work but the conversation always comes back to like listen like we work really hard for like the life that we have and the fact that we can go on vacations and you can, I can buy you those sneakers you want and, you know, and try to like make them understand that like it's, those things aren't, aren't, don't just happen magically. You know, mommy and daddy work really hard for that stuff. And and that's how, that's the environment I grew up in. And I, and I think that that made me understand like the value of hard work. And I want my kids to understand, you know, that it does take a lot of time and energy to, you know, to build this business and to do what we do, but it, you know, there's, there's fruits of our labor and that's, that's, a, I think, a really good goal for them to grow up, in, you know, with and knowing that you just have to work really hard. And and they also, like, we they get allowance and they, you know, it's not like it's – we really try to keep it so that they have to work. We give them, like, 10 bucks for doing, you know, things, certain things around the house and things, you know, we give them money for doing jobs. So it's not like we just give them money just, just because. So, Do you yeah. guys ever walk into a dry bar? And, yeah, yeah, and, all the time. Like, without them knowing who you are in the dry bar. 
not usually. They usually know who they I know am. Who you are. And you know, well, obviously, I'm. I'm. You know, it's like we live in such an Instagram age where it's yeah. like everything is out yeah. there, and I. I love it. I love all that stuff. So I really put it out there. So a lot of our stylists and stuff follow me on Instagram. So they they know my kids. Yeah. They know when we walk in. And my older son, my 13 year old, has long hair, and he likes to go and get it braided at Dry Bar. So not only is Dry Bar for women, but it's also for 13 year old boys who want braids. I mean, he doesn't let me do it. He's yeah. like, you don't do it as good as they do it, mommy. So he he always wants to go to Dry Bar and get his that hair done. That is so funny. So he's he's gotten blowouts before, but not not recently. My my kids, I I laugh because. We haven't had a store to date, but my funniest story, we were in um, staying at a hotel in Georgia and uh, we had a whole bunch of hint and I was talking to my daughter out by the pool and uh, this woman came up and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but you have this product hint and I had seen this product on how I made my millions, which is more like how I spent my millions. But yeah, anyway, um, and uh, and she said, I was just wondering if I could buy a bottle off of you. And my daughter was like watching this whole thing go on. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you can just have one. We have lots yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. And, and here. And and she said, oh, I'm so excited to get this product. And she said, you know, I saw this founder and I heard her whole story. And basically she developed this product to get off of Diet Coke. And then I realized that she's telling me the story that she has no idea that I'm the founder. Huh. And so I was like, you're kidding. Like, that's so interesting. And then my daughter's almost dying. Yeah. And so she jumps in the pool. I think she's probably like 10 at the time. And so she jumps in the pool and then she comes back and she's like, did you tell her? And because I told her, I was like, so what did the rest of the How I Made My Millions like talk about? And she, you know, went on and she sat there and told me the entire story. I mean, this was like a 20 minute segment. And she told me the exact, well, let me tell you. And then she was an AOL executive. And then she went on oh and God. she knew this entire story. And I have red hair like yeah. that. I was like, yeah, she has not figured out who I am yet. And so I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So my daughter hops on the bull and she's like, did you tell her yet? And the lady said, tell me what? And I said, oh, I, I work for that company. <gasps> and she said, oh, you're kidding. What is that founder like? And she like had no idea. That is so funny. And she still like had no idea. Did you ever tell her? Well, so then we were at dinner the next night and she brought her husband up to meet me. And she said, this woman works for that company. And and he was like, oh, what is that founder like? And I was just like, okay, now I have my makeup on. I have my hair. Like yeah. she st they still don't get it. Yeah. And my husband's there and everybody's like, what like yeah. what happened here yeah. it was so funny and so anyway i always laugh because did I, you tell her no and so i didn't so i didn't tell, tell her, her. Oh and my so God, i didn't tell so her funny. and then at the and then actually at the by the time we left then she looked it up and then she like realized, she realized. who i was oh my God. but i always like i love the discovery element too that people are you yeah. know like you know, that's so just, funny. I've never had that happen. And I think that I think that I'm just very like out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, I do so much press and all of that. And um, my kids, what, what has similar things have happened to me, but where people come up to me and they're like, oh, you know, are, are you the founder of Drybar? I'm like in an elevator and someone's yeah. like, I was just, you know, so, but I've been, that has happened with my kids too. And they, they always get like such a thrill out of it. And 
a lot of times when I'm like at like a restaurant or I'm shopping or something and someone's like recognizes me and they're like, oh my God, I love driver. I'm like, oh, have you been? And they're like, no, I haven't been yet, but I've been meaning to go. Or like, you know, it's like a sales yeah. girl. And I always keep blowout coasters or cards with me. And so I will like before I'm leaving, I'm like, you know, here, you can go get a blowout. And it's yeah. like, it totally makes their day. Yeah, and it's like, no, I, so I'm so happy to do it because it's like such a nice thing, but it's also like a, that will be a customer for life. Like totally. she And they'll tell it. 10 other people that you have it. Yes. And then them, it's like, it's been nice to do it with when I'm with my kids because they're like, you just gave her a blowout? And I was like, yeah, like she's never been. And, and they think it's so generous and they love it. And now when it, when that happens and my kids see it, like I give my kids the the coast, the card to give to them yeah. and they go up and give it to the person because they like, they love how it feels. So it's like, you know, I've it's like been such a great lesson to teach them how good it feels to give to somebody versus always receiving. Yeah. So it's been this no, really neat amazing. thing that my, my younger son really loves it. He's like, mommy, can we give her a blowout? Can we give her a blowout? You know? So it's, it's a neat, it's a neat like thing. For my kids to experience that feeling. Well, you're getting into this phase that I've seen between like 13 and 19 where like my kids started to realize that it's not really normal yeah. for like yeah. moms yeah. to be coming up with ideas and like yeah. developing these like really yeah. kind of kick-ass, like yeah. kind of known throughout the country. I know. Um, it's crazy. Ideas, I mean, which I think is like, they'll start to really realize. Yeah, no, they, I mean, it's really sweet. I mean, my kids like think I'm like legit famous yeah. and I'm like, you guys, I'm not <laughs> like, but they're, they're like in this little world with me and they see how people like react and they see how much people love dry bar. And like, I was just on the cover of a magazine and they were like, oh my God, you know, I so, saw the ink magazine. Yeah. That's I mean, so, so that huge. was like, and I think like my son was listening to a rap song and the rapper was like something about being on a Forbes list. And I was like, you know, I was on a Forbes list. And my son was like, you were, you know, it was like, it's only cool because a rapper was yeah. on it too, you yeah. know, but it's like, it is like, it's a really neat, it's such a thrill. I mean, that's one of the, yeah. I mean, it makes me feel like very proud that, you know, my kids think it's cool because it's yeah. really hard to be cool to your kids. But also parents you know? are working together. I mean, yeah. that used to be considered kind of small yeah. business, right? Yeah. Like that used to mom and pop, which, yeah. you know, which I, we kind of pride ourselves. I'm yeah. sure you guys do too. It's like, you know, people love that mom and pop feeling. I want that. Like I want to walk into a store and feel like a warm greeting and like everyone's really nice and everyone treats you a certain way, which that behavior has so gone away. And I feel like my parents had it in their store and we strive so hard to get that to be the feeling at driver when you walk in that people yeah. are nice and warm and friendly. And I think it's like, it's just, it's like the most important thing to me of, of everything that we do. And it's something that I personally want so much when I walk into a business is for people to just be nice to me. You yeah. know, it's like, it's like, I don't know why it's truly baffling to me how, how that the importance is not put on that more in businesses, all kinds of businesses, you yeah. know, where there's just not that like, you know, bend over backwards customer service. So knockoffs, like I, I get this question a lot from entrepreneurs who ask yeah. me like, you know, like when somebody launches a product, I mean, in our category, like, I'm you sure. know, we not only have other brands, but we have stores that launch, you know, yeah. the private label product yeah. that is nowhere near right. um, and being what we've, you know, developed. I mean, how do you... I don't know if deal is like the right, but like, how do you feel about knockoff products? And well, in the beginning, I feel like it was like, I mean, it would really keep me up at night. And 
we had discovered this brand new thing, really, mm-hmm. and nobody else, the blow dry bars didn't exist. You were the first, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, blow dry bars didn't exist 10 years ago. So when we started, we were getting so much attention and so much press. And um, I would talk to anybody about what we were doing and how we did it because mm-hmm. I was a little naive and also just like very giddy over the whole thing. And sure enough, all these copycats started popping up and some, some worse than others. And I mean, there was, there was a woman who copied us and ended up writing me a letter and saying that I spoke to her for so long and I was, you know, so gracious with my time, blah, blah, blah. And, but that she basically was like clearing her conscience and like apologizing for basically ripping out. I was like, I mean, I still have that letter anyways, but crazy, crazy. I mean, and so there's been a lot of, a lot of places that have knocked us off and I kind of have like two schools of thoughts on it. I mean, first, I think that when it's so blatant and people take like literally verbiage off our website, take our images, call themselves like Sally's Dry Bar, like, you know, we own the name Dry Bar. We invented the name Dry Bar, you know, we are, but it's like, it's like tissues, like Kleenex, you know, it's like people still will say like, oh, I'm going to open my own Dry Bar. I'm going to call it, you know, you know, Susie's Dry Bar. You can't do that. A lot of people don't realize that. So that's frustrating. And then they set it up to look just like dry bar. And what makes me the most upset about that is, is more the like confusion. It, it So mm-hmm. if you walked in and you were like, oh, look, there's a dry bar here. And as like, a consumer, you're not like thinking about my business the way I do. So you're just like, oh, this looks like a dry bar. You know, a lot, a lot of times the colors are the same. The interior looks similar, That's not crazy. the same. And so there's, but then you didn't get a great blowout and the people weren't very great. And it was like, in your, so now you have a bad taste in your mouth about what you think was dry bar, but it wasn't dry bar. So that there's been a lot of confusion in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, the vast majority of the way I have found out about copycats is from clients seeing like they saw it or went to it experience. and they were like, yikes, this isn't yeah. a real dry bar. So that makes me more upset. But on the other hand, I think that the fact that so many places have opened dry bars and places that we may never even get to is that it has raised awareness for the category because, you know, until we started eight years ago, women weren't getting blow dries regularly. They were like, some women were like me and maybe you, like we were figuring it out and you figured you went to wherever and got it done, but it wasn't an accessible thing to women everywhere. Now it is, and obviously largely due to us, but there is a lot of other places that are make it so women can just do that. And that makes me happy. You know, I'm glad that it's just accessible and the category has become raised in such a big thing in and of itself. Um, you know, so that's like, that's my more politically correct yeah, answer, yeah. Which, but it's true. Yeah. And I do think that it helps our business too. The fact that like, this is a thing that women do on the regular now, it's like awesome that that's become just kind of yeah, a, grows a, the category, a behavior. Right. Yeah. But- I know. And I think on the flip side, it's like we have spent an, insane amount of money on legal fees that were never budgeted mm-hmm. in the early days yeah. because we were like, holy shit, we had to send like cease and desist letters around to all these people and some were worse than others and whatever. And we've had some some big battles and we've had a lot, a lot of smaller battles over it. So yeah, we take our trademarks really seriously so too. Do we. we have global rights. But the problem for us is like you can't really, there's only so much you can do with interior. Mm-hmm. And I've had that conversation and, and so many times, but like you can't really sue somebody for how they yeah. decorate a place, you know? Yeah. So it's that, and there are a lot of copycats that have like really copied exactly what we've done with the bar and all of that. So yeah. 
That's crazy. But you know what? I mean, I honestly think there's enough to go around and we are, you know, I'm extremely grateful for what we have and how fast we've grown and all that, that I don't really, I pay attention. I know exactly what's going on and who's doing what, but you know, I think it also keeps us at the top of our game because I'm like, I'm, I'm always watching what everybody else is doing and I'm always making sure that we stay, you know, up here. And so I think it's also good in that regard. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. What was probably the biggest mistake you made? Um, you know, I don't think there's, there's not, I, I really don't have a lot of regret. I mean, I don't really have any regret if I'm being really honest. I think that there's, you know, there's, there's certainly like thing, little things that have happened, but there's not, you know, I think that I've always really stuck to my gut on this business and what I thought was it needed. Um, and it, it, even as far as like bringing in a professional CEO, I was very against it in the beginning until we found the person that I thought Somebody. was the right person, not the, just to do it. And so, um, you know, lo- lots of like little learnings always. I'm sure you've, you deal with this too. It's like there's always something you can do different and better and paying attention to all of that. Um, but I don't think there's anything that um, that stands out as like a huge mistake. No different tinge of yellow or, or no. anything. <laughs> there's never that. You know, it's like little things. Like we realized like it, when we first opened Brentwood that, you know, like you would expect there's a phone right next to the computer mm-hmm. in, in the first shop. But I realized that like we couldn't answer the phone and talk to a person face to face and the music was loud and the blow dryers, like the, the experience on the phone was really shitty. And I yeah. was like, this isn't good. This isn't okay. Like we have to like, uh-oh, like what are we going to do about this? And we very quickly found ourselves like in the call center business. It was like having to have the phones answered remotely was the only way to make it work, to give the client a good experience in the shop and to give the client on the phone a good experience. Because I mean, that first week in Brentwood, I I told the girls working the desk, like, don't answer the phone, let it go to voicemail, we'll call people back. It was that crazy inside the shop that yeah. it was like, I wasn't going to be like, one second, like I was never yeah. going to do that. I hated that. I wanted the, whoever, I wanted to like give that person in the store a good experience. And I wanted to give the person on the phone a good experience. And we weren't able to do either. So we pulled the, the phones out of the shop and found ourselves in the call center yeah. business. It was such a, and now it's like, over, you know, over a hundred people and just answer phones for us, you know, which is also why I really prefer I personally hate talking on the phone and I'm like, I'm always on text and I do everything on my I'm phone. Same way. It's, but there are a lot of 50% of our clientele want to call. And a lot of that is that they want to call and they want to request the, their mm-hmm. person and what they have like questions and whatever. I get it. But, um, that is a, I always put it in my notes. Yeah. And that's like, exactly what you yeah. should do. And, you know, listen, in, if for anybody who's listening to this has been to dry bar, it's like, we're not, we're not always perfect. And sometimes the notes get missed and then you're like, didn't get what you wanted or the stylist you wanted or whatever. And so that's frustrating. And I get that. So, you know, as you know, nothing's ever. Yeah. No, but I think it's pretty good. Yeah. For the most part. So I always ask guests, what makes you unstoppable? I have some ideas in my head, what makes you (laughs) unstoppable, but I would love to hear, you know, as yeah. entrepreneurs or fans of dry bar are listening and and hearing ali web like what what do you think makes you unique and, and unstoppable um i think it's i think it's a lot of perseverance i would say mm-hmm. is probably like the the biggest thing you know a lot of confidence fake it till you make it ness mm-hmm. i don't know what the word is for that but i think that i've 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 always felt like 
you know, I, I really, like I said earlier, I think I can kind of do whatever I set my mind to. I'm, a, I'm such a, like a big believer in that stuff that like you can make your own destiny and you can, there's like, you know, nothing you kind of can't do if you, the right people and the right, you know, access and whatever. And I think, you, you know, you, you kind of make your own destiny. And I feel like that's kind of how I've always lived my life that I will figure it out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of person that is like, you just figure it out. Well, you're so real too. No, I mean, and that's really, I think that that's, you know, everything from recognizing like the hassles of, you know, being in the reception position and, and what is the noise in the background to, you know, making sure that, you know, not only are your customers happy, but your employees are happy and they're not going to be stressed out. Like you understand every single element. Well, and I do think that's business. like a huge part of our success too, is that I am a stylist and I've yeah. always come at this business from like the stylist perspective mm-hmm. and the client perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like we make sure our our shops, like the chairs are spaced enough so the stylists are pretty comfortable walking mm-hmm. around the whole chair, not bumping into each other. We always like have snacks for the stylists. Like, and also I think as a, a stylist coming out of beauty school, you, you you know, your option, which I quickly learned when I was coming out of beauty school, was that you had to assist somebody for like years and, and they would like, you know, you'd be doing blowouts while they did the haircut and um, and you were washing hair and just doing whatever you had to do to learn and get there. And then eventually they would feed you clients. That process, you know, could take years. And so you're not making any money and it's just like a shitty job. I mean, not, I shouldn't say it's a shitty job. It's a tough job. It's like a it's a grind. It's a grind, yeah, and yeah. You, and and I think listen, everybody should have to go through it, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, I think that that is like a good lesson for like millennials to remember. Like, I mean, I I, I worked my ass off. I was an assistant forever. I you know got coffee, washed hair. When I worked for John Sahag, who was a very famous hairdresser in New York years ago, he was the kind of the pioneer of dry cutting, and very famous in his time, and did all the celebrities, and it was like the salon. And he had these two massive greyhounds that dogs that were always at the shop with him, and I had to walk those dogs yeah. on Madison Avenue. And I, you, you know, you can figure out the rest. Yeah. I mean, I was like twenty years old walking these like horses in New York City, <laughs> having to pick up their shit. And you know, I mean, it's like talk about paying your dues. You know, I mean, I paid my dues, and I think yeah. that that's a really important like rite of passage. And it's so I remember my parents being like, "You're building character," you know, and yeah. you're I'm like rolling my eyes, but I I did. I built a lot of character back in those those days, you know. And so, anyways, I think though that what what I think stylists who grew up in my time in my generation we had to like be assistants forever before we could do anything yeah. and and so dry bars bridge that gap a little bit because even though not every stylist that comes out of beauty school is ready always to work at dry bar right then and there and some are certainly you know it's like dry bar is definitely a place where stylists can work in that in-between zone a lot of our stylists are working at a full service salon whether they're assisting or they're on the floor already and then they're working at dry bar part-time and they're able to like cultivate a little bit of a clientele because they built this relationship with women and we want dry bar to be a lead yeah. generator for those clients, those stylists to get cut in color. So I also like very, very proud of that 
fact because it was just something that didn't exist for me as a stylist that, you know, we have 3,000 stylists that we've given jobs to. You know, a lot of – like I'd say, again, 50% of them work for Drybar full-time and then they grow into managers for us and product educators and all sorts of stuff. And then, you know, the other 50% are working at, you know, full-service salon and then they'll leave us once they are have built their book in their own salon. And But then if they're going through a slow period, they'll come back and pick up some shifts. So it's this like really cool thing I think that we've done for the industry that I'm particularly proud of too. That's great. Yeah. And you mentioned that you have a podcast yes. coming up. So uh, yeah. I'm excited about this. Now what's yeah. the name? And when is it's, it launching? Can it's called Raising the Bar. Okay. And I believe it will be launched maybe when this episode awesome. airs, I think. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and it was really I mean, obviously, you know, podcasts are like all the rage and everybody's like loves podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. And I was actually on Guy Raz's How I Built This mm-hmm. or How I Built It. I'm sure you've probably listened to that before. It's such a great podcast. Yeah. And I honestly got have gotten more feedback from doing that podcast than I think anything I've ever done in the last eight years, maybe except for the ink cover. That was kind of a big deal. That was <laughs> but, huge. <laughs> but I did that podcast and I was like, you know, really in, you know, really just told my story and realized like how much people really liked it. And so that kind of got me thinking as I'm thinking about new things that I'm doing for my, myself, um, to, to consider starting a podcast and also, you know, a big, it's called raising the bar. Did I say that? A big reason for it was I sure like you, I get approached from people all the time asking me, you know, through my Instagram, through email, like, you know, can I sit down and have coffee with you for 15 minutes? I'm starting this business and I have a couple questions, you know, and I really try to do that as much as I can, but you know, it's like, we're so busy. I have kids. Like I don't have a lot of like Mm -hmm. extra time, but I do really want to give back. And I do want to tell people like what it's like to raise money and what it's like to start your own business and how do you balance it all with the kids and all the things that I know we both get asked all the time. So my brother also gets asked this stuff all the time too. So we were like, wouldn't it be fun to start a podcast that was really like us talking about our experience, but with other entrepreneurs. So we're having people, and you should come on our show too, yeah. by the way, but yeah, other entrepreneurs to. and how how they built their business. Some entrepreneurs who've like had major success and, and then some who've like are still figuring out that you've never heard of. So we have all sorts of really fun guests coming on, including my dad, who's going to come on and talk about like, you know, our humble beginnings and running a business. And it's a very like entrepreneurial driven show that, and, and then there's like this funny banter my brother and I have and how we kind of fight like brother and sister. And we just see things very differently. We see the world very differently. I'm such a, like, everything happens for a reason and everything's going to work out. And he's like, that's all bullshit. That's not the real world. And so there's this really funny dynamic between us that has always been there that, we're kind of capturing like in the studio. I can't now. wait. That's it's so really great. fun. I mean, yeah. my we we shot the episode, the pilot, and we played it for like a handful of people, and they're like, "It's so good." I didn't want it to end, you know. And we have, we were having a really good time doing it. So that's awesome. It's really it's well, I really can't fun. wait to hear it. And you Thank said you. September. It launches July twenty fifth, so it'll be perfect timing. Yeah, perfect so, timing. Yeah. That's we're really amazing. excited about super, it. Super great. Well, yeah. this was amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I it was really so fun. appreciate I you coming on. You can keep up with Allie on Instagram at Allie Webb. That's A L L I W E B B. And you can check it out at one of my favorite places, Dry Bar, at thedrybar.com.
I love giving away things that are dear to my heart, like Hint Water. So for the next three months, I'll be choosing five lucky listeners each episode to win a year's supply. To enter, all you have to do is go to karagolden.com backslash iTunes and leave a review. That's it. And if I see you tweeting it out and tagging me at Kara Golden, you will increase your chances of being picked. And as a special thank you to all of our Unstoppable subscribers, for a limited time only, you can enjoy a special hint offer at drinkhint.com slash unstoppable. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. Unstoppable.